everyone. Today we have my colleague and friend Peter Chow, Director of Innovation at RBC, uh, joining us for Women in Leadership's first podcast. Thank you, Peter, for joining. Hey, thank you for having me. Such a such an honor. Well, it's it's an honor to have you as well, Peter. Um, you know, let's let's start with the topic of future of work. We're still in the pandemic, but I think we're all trying to achieve some sort of norm. And of course, the plans to return back to work are uh, in flight. Uh, what does that look like for you? You know what, this is something that we've been thinking about for a very, very long time. Uh, it, it even started before the pandemic, but it supercharged it during the pandemic. All of a sudden, we all went home. All of a sudden, we all went uh, remote. We we're working differently. And now as we look forward, we're trying to figure out, okay, what does, what does it work look like? in the future? What does hybrid work mean? What does asynchronous work mean? And, and frankly, we, we, we we're still just trying to figure it out ourselves. But I do want to stress a couple points. When we talk about the future of work, it really means something very different, depending on the company you're with, depending on the industry you're with, depending on, you know, some of the geography, some of the underlying systems and, and and things that we're working through. So if you're at a startup, very likely the future of work is probably gonna look the same. We were probably able to work remotely or in some form of a hybrid situation since the beginning of the inception of your, your startup. Whereas if you're at a large entrenched uh, corporation like the government, like uh, medical companies, like the banks, like other financial institutions, it could be a really, really dramatic shift Right. So depending where you are, uh, future work really means something different. So the lens I'm going to take when we talk about this, it's, it's going to be a bit more general. So it's not just about the, the people that work at big entrenched institutions, but in general, what I'm seeing across what we're learning, what we're seeing and how we're defining some of these things. And I mean, the, the concept of working from home has been around for decades. There's been studies that have been, been researching this forever. And I think the single biggest change right now is not so much that we're working remotely. It's the scale of how many people are working remotely. It's the scale of the, the digitization. It's the scale of so many people moving online and even traditionally very, very entrenched places. Like you would have never thought you would go to a university class you know, learning through a digital screen or, or seeing a doctor through a digital screen, all of that's right. completely disrupted. Peter, thank you for that. And, and I really go back to that time. You know, it's really about, um, did you think less about where we'll work, but more about how we will work? And I really like that, Peter, because prior to the pandemic, I really never worked from home. And the pandemic actually made me realize how productive work from home can be. Um, I'm a bit of an early bird. So I pretty much walk, walk downstairs to my home office and, and can save about two hours of commute time per day. And at the same time, I find that my day really never ends. Uh, there isn't a really a clear line of delineation between work and home. To some, it may actually foster a better work-life balance, but for some, it's worse. What are your thoughts? So this is a, this is a really interesting point, the how we work piece. So putting aside the fact that, you know, eventually, I suspect most companies will want us to go into the office once, once or twice a week, or, or just make sure there's still a central place we meet. The how piece 
has been has been something that we looked into quite a bit. So a lot of people are saying, hey, I get a couple hours back nowadays because I don't have to commute. I no longer have to do things that are like kind of like getting me to the place that I need to get to. So there's a lot of stress that they give up. So certainly productivity is up. Uh, we've measured across a whole different uh, set of metrics, different industries. Almost universally, they're talking about how the actual doing of work is better now. But I don't think it's a linear like, hey, we are we're more productive because we're home. It's actually right. because people are working longer hours. Right. That separation between work and home is now being really, really blurred. And the, the term we're calling it is a work-life integration. And so it takes an incredible amount of discipline to be able to actually stop when you need to stop versus you just blend because you're like, oh, I have half an hour before dinner starts. I'm going to do a bit more work. Oh, my kids are in the bath. I'm going to do a bit more work. Oh, it's late at night. My, my wife or partner, whoever went to sleep, so I'm going to do a bit more work. And, and this, is, this is a trend we're seeing. The total amount of hours worked is actually higher than it was post uh, pre-pandemic. So what do we have to do about that? How do we have to set those boundaries? How do we have to be more effective? How do we have to be really, really clear on what matters and what doesn't matter? And what we found is the companies that are most successful tend to have the clearest priorities. Don't actually just go do work because there's always work you can do. The companies that get the biggest benefit out of uh, remote work, hybrid work, and these new norms are, are the ones that are able to set boundaries, set priorities and say, work on this, focus on this. And I think that helps people because then you'd have, have that balance. Of, I actually have only eight hours of work today versus you know, give me 15 hours and I try to jam it into my day and I drop everything else. So I think in terms of the how, having those clear priorities, having those boundaries are really, really, really mission critical because without those, you just start eating into people's lives. And yes, certainly companies get more benefit, but at the cost of a long-term damage to your people, burnout, you have people that are, that are thinking about, hey, is this really for me? I miss the office because the commute for me was a clear start and stop. Right, right. Have time to wind down, have time to stop thinking about it. You know? So let me ask you, what was your ritual when you got on the train or got in the car or got on your bus? Like, what, what did you do to like, separate work and, work and life? That's interesting. You mentioned that actually, because my ritual was very similar to, you know, really shutting my brain down, uh, you know, uh, in the mornings, I would, I would start to think about, okay, gear up for my, my day's um, list of things to do, you know, what, what I need to um, accomplish. And, and, you know, I have that mindset, I would also do a lot of like reading, I would have that downtime. And coming back, it was really about unwinding, um, you know, shutting shutting my brain off from from the day's work, and at the same time, I actually made a lot of friends on the go train. So there was there was a bit of a social aspect as well for me, uh, interacting on the on the go train. And you raise a, I raise a really good point in terms of um, just. Uh, so you bring in a good point about, you know, people working longer hours because of not having that, you know, um, start, stop, uh, shut down uh, regime to their to their work, work life. What are the actual impact or challenges that you find in, in terms of working remotely? So 
there's a whole new set of behaviors that we're starting to introduce, we're starting to notice when we're working from home all the time. I'm sure you would have heard the term Zoom fatigue or WebEx fatigue and talks a lot about that. And it's actually pretty funny because we, we looked into that and was like, oh, what is actually causing Zoom fatigue? And there is something we call mirror anxiety. And it's the, it's the fact that when you look at a Zoom meeting, you're not actually looking at the person you're talking to. You're looking at yourself. And so when you're on a Zoom call, you spend 40% of your time criticizing yourself, looking at yourself. And it's funny because we, we did the, the research into it and it overwhelmingly affects women. It affects them harder, affects them, uh, makes them more tired, it makes them more stressed. And so a quick tip there is really just that you can turn off the, the, the feature where you see yourself, you'll feel a lot better. And that's something that we've been encouraging a lot. So that brings up the, the second point here that we wanted to jam into. What is, is there a disparity between future work and what it means for women and what it means for minorities? Aside from mirror anxiety, we've also been trying to track other ways that we can build out some, some capability where we can teach people, hey, how do you actually work in hybrid or work in, in remote so that you're not so tired, so that you can connect better, so you build better relationships? And we found, you know, empathy comes up a lot, trying to understand what the other person is doing, what the other person's situation is like, how do we support them regardless of how, how much distance there is. And so when we talk about things, there's a couple of distances that we have to cover. There's the physical distance, which is actually pretty simple, right? So even if I'm sitting here and you're sitting on the other side of the world, it doesn't really matter because of technology these days. It's physical distance we can close. There's something else we call awareness distance, which is really just, are you aware of the context of what I'm doing, what I know, what I, what I feel? And the higher you can raise that awareness of each other, you know, closing the organizational gap, closing the personal gap, closing some of that personal details that are like, hey, this is what I'm working on, this is what I'm feeling. That certainly helps. And the last one, which I think is probably the most important one, and the one that everyone struggles with, is what we call affinity distance. And that's really where the culture comes. The affinity distance is how close your team is. How much is, does everyone align to the culture that you've set up? And so when you look at it, obviously people that have been in the culture in person they have equity that they can carry into the pandemic. And they say, okay, I believe in the team. I know them. I have personal connections to all of them. Had a meal with them. We've, we've hung out. Right. And it means something. And so when we talk about the, the pandemic and how to you know, really address some of these issues, affinity is usually where we start. And I recognize it's different in terms of, you know, we can't all just go out and have a beer or, or do whatever. And a virtual wine and cheese is just not the same as standing next to each other right. and having that moment. But there are still things you can do, right? Simple, simple things as really understanding the person in front of you, trying to get to know them, trying to understand that this is a safe space, that you can bring your dog, you can bring your children, you can, you can have your husband or your partner walk around in the background. And it's all fun. I think those things help build equity in different ways. And in fact, I think those things build equity in a way that are more sustainable in the long run, because people can be true to themselves and true to their work and true and really show you who they are. 
So I think it's one of those things where while it's remote, it's not great. It does bring a whole different lens and a whole different comfort. And if you can build that up, certainly a win that uh, something you can you can carry forward even when we return or work in different working arrangements. I, I definitely attest to that. I think it. Um, I think this model definitely enables you to bring your holistic self to work, um, and and in in many ways be more inclusive. Thank you for this, Peter. Uh, we would love to continue uh, our conversation in in segment two of Women in Leadership podcast. Talk to you soon.